Hi, man. All right. How are you? Uh, yes, I'm very well. How are you? Good. Good. False starts tonight. Like so many false starts. Um, I think partly my fault. Well, I say partly. Probably mostly my fault. I mean, I I, I didn't encourage help. I listened to Bill Burr. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was I was really appreciative of that, man. Thanks. Whilst you were like deciding well, what to do. To be fair, your Macintosh did not present you with folders that had footage in it. No. So, so. um, yeah. I also need to get some new SD cards, I think. Um, but that's none of these people's faults. No, it's not. It's no. not. How's uh, your life in Drumland been this week? Life in Drumland has been busy this week. You know, I, I feel like I haven't seen you in like five days. Really? I think it's because I don't see you at the weekend. And then I was off yesterday. Right. So I've really only seen you one day. Out of? Yeah, out of like five or six. Yeah. How many days in a week is there? Seven. Well, there's seven, but I didn't see you since Friday. So that's so until today that was only one day and four. So that's yeah. yeah. Sorry, it took my brain took a second to analyse all that. <laughs> Numbers uh, are not my friend. No. So <laughs> you've been busy, busy in the shop. Shop's been busy. We've been um, cutting out the shop, making sure it all looks pretty. Unboxing some new drums. Yeah, we have. Um, we saw some great new drums come in. Mm-hmm. Steve Gad drums came in. Which was a real treat, man. Right there, if you can see it on camera. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll pull it out at some point and, and let you all see it. Um, <laughs> we'll pull out the snare drum as well. Oh, oh no, sorry. Oh, man. You can cut that out if you want. No, I mean, there's not really an edit point, is there? No, no. not really. Um, so, yeah, uh, we we saw some, some new drums. What's been your favourite drum that's landed? Um, That's a tough call. I mean, because we've had all the Mapex Black Panther snare drums land, obviously. Uh, oh, I think for me it's the Metallion, right? Black okay. Panther. Is that just because you you've got real brass thing? I haven't do. You? I do. It's not so. healthy at all. <laughs> um, it's not healthy for my wallet or no. um for my life. I think. Why but do you like brass so much? I just I've always got on with it really well. Right. I found um I can just get a brass drum for some reason to sit exactly where I like it to sound. Okay, and I think because I've, I've I've tuned a steel shell drum and I've tuned an aluminium drum and I've tuned a wind drum, pretty close. Uh-huh. But the brass just for me always just sounds the best. What head do you have on your brass? I have a vintage ambassador, right? Which um, Liam, I would say oh. R.I.P. Liam, but you're not. not no, he's still, around, so. he's still around. He's still around. You're just not with anyway. Yeah. Um, we miss you. We miss you. We miss <laughs> you. Please come back, Liam. <laughs> um, yeah, he recommended that because when I got my recording custom brass, he was like, put a vintage A on it. Have you tried like, other heads? I have. I've went through the kind of Remo catalogue a little bit. Right. Um, I put a Power Stroke 3 on it and that was all right. I didn't mind that. Mm-hmm. Um, I put an Ambassador X on it, just obviously thicker mm-hmm. Ambassador. And that was all right again, but I just, I think the vintage A, just for me, I could just, just get doing a lot. Thing. Of, just doing it. Yeah. I really like a P3. I've got a P3 on mine. Oh, much. you like a pretty? Yeah, I think uh, it lets the drum like just be lively, but controls it. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you want to play delicately, I think a P three still gives you that because it's single ply. So sure. Um, yeah, I just seem to, I just seem to really get on with that head. You prefer that head? Have yeah. you tried other heads on it? Yeah, not for a long time. Right. To be fair, so uh, I I could maybe um, dig the old drum out and 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 see what else is doing for it you know what else yeah. i could try on it i've never really tried a vintage emperor on a snare drum yeah so that could be a little project that's a really thick head isn't it yeah it is it's, um or I, I do like the odd emperor x but 
I don't feel like I hit them hard enough. Right. For that, you yeah. know. Um I don't think I get the best from the drum or the head. Right. If I put um one of those on. Really interesting, the customer came in today and they had a Mapex Black Widow, the fourteen the old Black Panther and the Maple, the fourteen mm-hmm. by five. And they had an Aquarian Studio X on it. Oh wow. Yeah, That's so thick. It, it, it was just yeah, and they were like trying to tune it low and having a bit of trouble um and yeah you're right. trying to get it sound lower uh, yeah i think they, they you know they, they didn't really appreciate that there's not a lot of shell to work with yeah so it's only going to go solo mm-hmm. and solo solo <laughs> and when you put a thicker head on it you know that's that head has a reinforcement ring around the edge underneath and a center dot mm-hmm. so the head's going to have to be hit hard to get it to vibrate Mm-hmm. and they weren't hitting it hard and they weren't cranking the head so it was an interesting battle to try and get it to where they wanted it to- tonally you know I think we got there in the end where did it end up? Uh, it ended up just a little north of where they had it they had it fairly low and mm-hmm. it, it, they had their wires too tight as well unfortunately so yeah. it, the wires were pressed against the bottom head creating weird overtones mm-hmm. and they were just like can't, they were just kind of at the end of their tether tuning wise do you think that's like a common thing that people do? over tighten the wires yep absolutely is um, I don't know why I don't know if they think it's something that's going to make the drum sound more snary mm-hmm. um, but they obviously aren't considering that you're going to put pressure on the bottom head mm-hmm. therefore it's not going to vibrate the same way right um, but yeah it's common it's so common. Is, is there a kind of a one size fix all trick if you will uh, I mean, fixing that or just because obviously people I know there's like two schools of thought where people like to kind of Tension the wires to taste, you know. Yeah. So, but I've also heard people who have tensioned them to taste, and the wires are just you can hear them still rattling after long after they've hit the drum. You know, it's maybe a bit too loose. Yeah, I think it all depends on the music, right? And the drum, and then the room. Mm-hmm. You know, because how many times have you, you know, been in a, a musical situation and the bass player plays a note and your snare wires go mental? Yeah. Um, so you know that's frequencies in the room will cause all that. You know, mm-hmm. I've played gigs where the bass players played certain notes and the but the volume's just gone. Yeah. It's just like a big swell. So like the the room is tuned to E or something. So you have to mm-hmm. find that frequency on the bass channel and you know EQ it out, EQ it out so it yeah. doesn't go haywire. But it also will make your drums go mm-hmm. funny. So if it's really bothering you, then mm-hmm. you know tighten them up. What um, is there a way to stop them breaking so frequently? No. Wires? I yeah. mean, yeah, don't tighten them too hard. Right. Cause is that what breaks it, or is it... Well, it's just stretched under tension, plus it's vibrating, so it'll be a combination of both. Um, probably mishandled, people putting them back in cases a little rougher than they should. Mm-hmm. People also not... People never take their wires off mm-hmm. when they put the drum back in the case. Yeah. Nobody ever does that. Well, th- certainly I don't know anybody that does that. Yeah. And I'm sure there are people in the world who do, do that. you do it? No, I'm really bad for it. I'm really bad for drum maintenance, man. <laughs> like, my drum maintenance is, is terrible. Is that why you're always giving them to Dave? Yeah, pretty right. much. But, like, my, my drum maintenance has always been terrible. Like, right. like. Do you treat your drums the, way, the same way you treat your cymbals? Like, you don't, like, not 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 look after it but you know that way you don't i know you don't clean your cymbals but uh pretty much man yeah i put them back in the cases they go in my unit and that's it they come out my unit they come out the cases Mm -hmm. every once in a while i'll rehead them i'm really terrible yeah really terrible for it um i I mean it can't be that bad because your drums still sound great thanks 
Um, but I think like good drums will sound great. Yeah. You know, they'll get to a point and they'll just they're going to sound good. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't necessarily think it's anything that I've done. They just the the sonar drums don't slip. The tuning doesn't slip. Yeah. So that helps. You know, you get them to where they want and they just kind of sound the same. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, when I was a kid, I used to be really like every three or four months strip the entire kit down mm-hmm. tension rods out yeah clean them. off and all yep, that the whole, yeah. well no i didn't go as far as that really i was a bit scared in case i didn't know how to put them back on and right you know before i knew anything about drums really yeah oh i went to town on it man like really? my first kit i got a tama um i've spoken about this before an imperial star um and i remember like on a saturday afternoon just bored one day and I literally stripped the full thing of bits and Amazing. just rebuilt it back up because i was a big fan of lego when i was younger okay so i liked the thought of being able to build stuff up and then like break it but it's not horrendous sure. so I, just, I always really like getting hands on the stuff you know mega blocks are my friend i mean to to give you an idea i broke on my my 12 inch tom the wing nut i put the wing the wing nut came off the drum i, I think i'd unloosed i loosened it too much and is t- this on your vintage yeah right and the wing nut fell off and i put it on at an angle and I had to hacksaw it off. Oh, no. And now i got another bolt for it, and it has an Atal wing nut on it. Because oh. I've never got round to emailing the Sonar service team and be like, have you got a spare wing nut? Mm-hmm. You know, so it has the matching wing nut. Sure. It's just one of those things, man. So I, it, I, I, Is it like, I suppose it doesn't kill your love for the drums? Well, know? I mean, I've, I've never, ever, ever played it my drums and be like oh do you know what it's got the wrong wing nut on the 12 yeah. I'm not guys I'm out I can't play that <laughs> that groove anymore you know like I've yeah um, I've kind of always been like that I, I, once I'm playing I'm fine mm-hmm. you know I, I, I don't prescribe to heads all being the same you know so they all look the same I just put the drums down and play right I, and I've always been like that like when I ca- when I was wee I, I would experiment with setups and stuff mm-hmm. so I would put the floor tom to the left and have yeah. nothing on the right. Oh, okay. So you you know, bass drum, rack tom, bass drum, snare drum, rack tom, floor tom, mm-hmm. and see what that felt like to play, or just take it away. You know what I mean? So yeah. just, so if I ever found myself in a situation where I had really gnarly drums, mm-hmm. I don't freak it, out. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't like a holy shit moment. What am I going to no, do? No, it's, yeah. it's not the end of the world for me. You know, I know people get pretty precious about how their stuff's set up. I've played with bass players who will, you know, it has to be all in a line and like, mm-hmm. I would mess with them and just angle their, he- their cap, their bit. head a little bit and they would yeah. just look at me and we would laugh and they would straighten it back up. And mm-hmm. do it. You know what I mean? And just yeah, wind totally, people up. Yeah. Um, so just I've never been super precious about any of that, which helps actually because I, I did a gig, I turned up to do a gig uh, in Edinburgh years ago in the Leith Depot um, mm-hmm. and the kit was a tornado <laughs> and it was hanging together right you know like the, held the, together with chewing gum basically oh there was just gaff it everywhere and you know and the snare drum stand doesn't go any lower and the seat doesn't go any higher oh great what are, what are those ones yeah, yeah and you're like right a backline special yeah like lads it's just snare drum fills you know because these toms are just awful mm-hmm. you know and, and no disrespect to those kits because they serve a purpose but for a venue, that should never be what is presented to you, really, if a venue is taking itself seriously, mm-hmm. to me. Oh, no, um, yeah. You know, minimum level here, mm-hmm. folks. You know, th- something I can get spares for, at least. <laughs> ah, yeah, you totally, know, yeah. And, and can fix. Um, Do you remember um, the Glasgow, um, for the, for our non-Glasgow listeners, there used to be a venue in Glasgow called People People. Do you remember People People? Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember the house kit in there used to be 
um, a bit of a um, Russian roulette, if you will, because sometimes you would go in and they would be like, for some reason, like, I, I, I think I'm remembering this right. There was one night I remember there was a really great kit. I think it was a Gretsch kit that was a backline kit, and it was great. And I remember like, two months later or so, I went in and there was just this, like, haggard old thing. It wasn't a Gretsch, it was a different kit, but I just, it must have, I think it was a, an old export. We sold them a kit. They bought a kit from the old shop a couple of years ago. Um, I think it was either a Natal or a stage custom or something. Right, yeah. So there were decent drums got popped in. Eventually, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm talking about, this was like 2011 or something ah, okay. I'm talking about. So yeah. it was just like, because me and my originals band at the time played in there. As I'm sure many people did. Um, and I just remember just this thing just being like horrendous. Yeah, they, like, they kind of came to us and were like, we need new drums. Yeah. yeah. It's like you would hit this 16 inch floor tom and it would shout at you. Oh. It's like, ah! You know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, cymbal stands are probably falling apart oh, or they don't time. have felts on them and there's, you know, half a clutch. Aye. Uh, great. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I, I, always, I always used to get into like things like that at home, you know, what if I'd forgotten my clutch or what if this or what if that? And mm. I found that to be really sort of helpful mm-hmm. you know do you think that's like something that's kind of lost in younger drummers now like they're not they just kind of take things for what it is and not get hands on uh, yeah yeah i think yeah no maybe i think it really depends on how into it they are mm-hmm. you know some people just want to get through their exams yeah and like i was like into it you know um well, like what i mean is like so in that same scenario like if you turned up to i if someone else, maybe no one in particular, but I'm just thinking of like a younger player who would turn up to a venue and they get presented with a tornado, and maybe it doesn't have a 12 inch tom that they're used to having there. Mm-hmm. Like they're just like, oh no, what do I do? Well, you know? uh, yeah, I mean, I, I remember doing a kit share gig at Touch years ago, and I had two up, one down, and one of the bands asked me if they could take a tom off because mm-hmm. they were just like this, blowing their mind that there was two up. You know, the guy wasn't used to playing that way. Yeah. So yeah, I think people kind of they get they get so used to um being in their lane that they don't really know what to do if they have to move yeah you know uh the only way i can relate it is imagine driving a car and all of a sudden you don't have a clutch mm-hmm. you know or you've driven an automatic forever and now you have to drive a manual and all of a sudden you're like ah uh, uh, well, yeah you know that's freaking you out you know and mm-hmm. people need to be comfortable to play music yeah absolutely. you know um at least to play their best anyway yeah, absolutely. Um, but I like the challenge of it. Um, it wasn't something I come up with on my own, though. It was something that I watched back when I started playing. You could buy drum videos and and, and drum DVDs now. It's all downloads, and and I don't yes. know how you know. I don't know how many people buy them. But even when we opened the shop, you could still buy drum DVDs. Mm-hmm. And Bonham's son Jason did one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he that was one of the things he talked about on it was like mm-hmm. set your kit up weird ways I was like I'm going to do that you know mm-hmm. it got me through tons of scenarios where like mm-hmm. you know you just don't have your stuff mm-hmm. you know I remember playing a touch and like, I was on a kit share and the guy wouldn't let me ad- adjust anything he's like you can play my drums but you can't adjust the height of this and you know he was he was super particular really tall yeah like, great okay I guess we're just just rolling with us yeah um and it's a it's a big debate Mm -hmm. drummers have all the time you know i've always been such that i can set my drums up pretty quickly Mm -hmm. 
you know so yeah man if you if you need to change something then cool mm-hmm. not you know don't you know don't make it mental you know i don't mean you're changing heights but you know there's I, yeah, I, there's, there's got to be a give and take yeah absolutely yeah. yeah yeah thank you that's what i'm trying to say yeah. i mean you, how many times you turned up to a gig and the drummer's like oh we're catching but i'm left-handed yeah you know so you and, and there's nobody in the i don't think there's any drummer who's like well no you have to play a right-handed kit yeah you know because that's just douchey that's, oh, I, I, you yeah, know, big that's, time like who's going to be that guy to be like no yeah. No, you can't play the things the way you want to. You know, you know I mean, mean, most times I would make sure ahead of time if I was doing a kitschier gig where you correspond with the other bands. I'm like, this is what's arriving. Yeah. Can you use it? That's something I learned quite early, thankfully, mm-hmm. in my kind of, like, outside of life gigging, I suppose. Um, is it actually talk to the other people who are going to be on your bill? Mm-hmm. If, you, if you're able to, like, if you've got, like, if you know who's on that bill that night actually speak to the other drummers especially if you're the one providing all the gear mm-hmm. just be like listen guys here's what i'm bringing here's what i recommend that you guys bring as well like breakables things like that um just is there anything i should we need to know about before yeah. you know is anyone left-handed does anyone need this yeah or that kind of thing totally and for the other the rest of it it's just like you just need to learn to adapt you know? yeah it was weird i don't have you ever felt those sort of competition vibes when you're on those gigs, like the bands don't talk to each other, and it's like this weird competition. So weird. I've never understood that. No, neither have I. Just, it's, I, I don't know if it's a drummer thing where we've always just been like, "Hey, man, how you doing?" I. But I've, I've been in those situations where bands just won't speak to each other. Yeah. You know, they'll sit on the bench beside each other while the bands are sound checking, but they're uh-huh. just it's all crossed arms and. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think that's more common in much younger bands. Yeah, I maybe. Think, like, the whole nature of it. I mean, see when you look at it, like see a four band bill, uh-huh. like inherently it kind of does look a little bit like a, a battle of the bands. The only thing is, there's no prize at the end of it. Yeah, you know what I mean, like to them, I can understand that mindset, and it's hard not to be in that mindset if everyone else is. You know, yeah, I think maybe you just take someone to say, look, all we're trying to do is give two hundred people a good night. Mm-hmm. You know, when you start to think about it like that, like I know your pals are coming, but do you think they would stay and watch us, or yeah, and we'll totally. try and encourage our pals to come early to watch you. Yeah, you know and everybody's having a good time exactly everybody know. gets a, a crowd to play to sure you know, you know that's it um but that got way off topic really quickly um, it did just while we're on it though um do you ever miss gigs like that no no i don't all. miss trying to convince people to come and see music yeah because that's what they became eventually yeah those gigs you know your pals have seen you too many times and they don't want to come out on a wednesday night mm-hmm. you know to on a, in november when it's raining and mm-hmm. you know you're on it 11 yeah you know yeah. so not really not yeah. at all i think i'm very much over it yeah big time. Uh, i don't know that i was ever under it yeah <laughs> but yeah do you know totally. I, I, that novelty was a novelty for about a year yeah i think those the novelty of those gigs certainly wears out fairly yeah. quickly like yeah they're hard work mm-hmm. they're hard work for what you for for the return of it as well mm. like they're like far hard work and there's yeah. there's so many decent venues or when we could go to gigs there were so many decent venues that you know there's a decent crowd anyway i always like playing places like block yeah places like block were great because there's people there already mm-hmm. um and you might get like 20 year pals turn up and it's kind of small enough for it to be all right and mm-hmm. you know they, they just make life easy in there they don't make it hard but yeah you know 
I've had venues, I've sold the most tickets and had the worst slot and all that mm-hmm. nonsense, you know, and there's all the weird politics because there's a touring band from Belgium coming yeah. and they obviously can't bring a crowd. And you're like, well, nobody forced you to put a touring band from Belgium on, Yeah, you know, so, you know, why would you make that difficult for you, you know? Mm-hmm. So, no, to answer your question, no, I don't. Yeah. I don't miss them. I'm, I'm very much the same. I think those gigs, just the, the, your patience for those gigs, I think after a, a while of doing them, just really just kind of wears thin because you kind of, you can almost predict how the night will go as the set almost, before you even go to the gig. You're yeah. just like, okay, this is how it's going to roll, you know, yeah. like, and you just kind of go through the motions after a while. Just I've played touch too many times. Yeah. Like, played the 13th note too many times. Mm-hmm. Having said that, all that, and this sounds vaguely pessimistic, but like to try and put a, a, a more kind of positive spin on it, like playing venues like that is great. Like, I, oh, like, I mean, tuts, I, I, yeah. I've, there's not been one time I've not enjoyed playing tuts. And great learning experiences when you're young. I think you have to do them, but I'm, you yeah. know, I'm a little longer the tooth right now. <laughs> you're a grumpy old man. <laughs> I've been playing drums for like 27 years nearly. Yeah. So, you know, I was gigging really quickly. Mm-hmm. I started playing gigs when I was. 16 maybe 15 really wow yeah um so yeah i started playing quite quickly mm-hmm. um and after a while it just became a bit too much of just fl- like we i think we i honestly got my pals to come and see us at touch like six times or something and there's only so <laughs> many times i can convince them to see the same band and the same songs you know yeah exactly um and so. there's only so many times you can say no but guys this is this is the one uh, you know, this yeah. is the gig. And no, this such is and you... such is coming at this, and like, aye. Back when record deals and all that were still a thing, you totally know. Aye. So, you know, they are a great apprenticeship for bands, and I absolutely see the value in them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't really want to do them anymore. Yeah. You know. So. Do you think playing wedding gigs and things kind of spoils you for that kind of stuff? Um. Because you're all of a sudden you're now getting fair enough. You're not playing your own songs, but you're now getting paid to play drums. Like you're now earning money out of doing what you enjoy for me it did for me i'll be honest absolutely it it totally ruined like original band gigs where you don't kind of get much return out of it because it's like okay fair enough i'm now for the same amount of time and for much less kind of effort in the long run you're making like what like just under 200 bucks maybe for well, I think four hours very, of your life they're, you know? they're, I think they have to be treated very differently I think it's it's um, if you're going to compare them then I it's, it's, it's not a fair fight yeah um, you have complete control over the set list you play at a wedding and you know how to pace it and you're there with friends doing a different thing you yeah. know um, it's a different product yeah you know um you're usually wearing similar clothes and mm-hmm. you know what I mean and all that there's a formality to how the evening runs and mm-hmm. um, maybe the way I, it's like I think what I really liked about doing those gigs over doing sort of originals gigs was learning the craft side of it mm-hmm. learning the drums and learning the music mm-hmm. you know like learning how those those gigs taught me how to be a musician mm-hmm. More than others, yeah, you know, and more than original gigs did. Mm-hmm. Original gigs teach you how to do things like, or original bands, I should say, teach you how to do things like uh, create a drum part. Mm-hmm. You know, understand where your drums are relative to a new song, or yeah. you know, you can probably <laughs> argue your case for doing fill-ins a little more, or and you could also 
you very quickly realise that that new drum fill you learned from Drumio is maybe not the best time to use it uh, in every song. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, but th- those those situations have um a goal in mind. Yeah, I think you know you're mm-hmm. trying to create music and trying to record music and push yourself creatively and mm-hmm. all that kind of thing. You know, I think wedding gigs can do that for you i think if you're mm-hmm. creative with it a lot of people a lot of people really rag on them they hate yeah. doing them and and because they, they don't find any value in it yeah or they don't look for the value in it mm-hmm. they just see it as it gets on the road but it's a necessity yeah you know um we live in a very different world now from when i started though mm-hmm. so <laughs> to be fair, we live in a very different world from this time last year. Absolutely, yeah. but yeah, I mean, even even culturally, culturally, mm-hmm. like you know, you couldn't Instagram anything. Yeah, true. You yeah. know, you couldn't record anything really. Mm-hmm. You couldn't just take a like. You couldn't just take one of these out and mm-hmm. film your whole night, mm-hmm. um, or film rehearsals and put it up and create a following. Mm-hmm. We had to do things like we were really fortunate when I played an originals band that the singer and the band his folks owned a hotel, right? Uh-huh. So if we needed to record, we would learn ten to fifteen covers, mm-hmm. put a gig on, charge all our pals a couple of pounds. They would get absolutely wrecked. We would play all night, and that was that. And we would raise enough money to go into the studio. Yeah, um, we had to learn how to how to do that now you create a following just by posting a rehearsal mm-hmm. you know you don't get any money it's not monetized mm-hmm. you know but we had to be creative with ways to to raise capital yeah. you know and um, we would go and do we would go and play gigs we would learn covers and go and play a pub mm-hmm. and we would maybe say we would maybe halfway through the night put in two of our own tunes or three of our own tunes to sort of blow the dust off them and, and kind of keep it creative for us you know yeah. um and people seem to like that Mm-hmm. Um, but it, uh, yeah, it forced us to be creative nowadays. I don't, I don't think people have to be creative in the same way. Yeah, to get totally. a following, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, yeah, I, I think they're very, just globally, I think they're very different things. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, I think playing weddings lets you play more. You get to play for hours, which totally. is, yeah. you know. Would you say? I, I personally think playing wedding gigs makes you. A, it's certainly made me a better drummer. Yeah, absolutely. You're playing the same things, more or less, give or take, a song here or there, all the time. But like, you get really good at, you get really good at that. But you also like, you you kind of subconsciously work on your fundamentals. You know, because yeah. I mean, for forty those forty songs are literally built up of fundamentals. Do you know what yeah, I mean? You know what I mean? Absolutely. You're absolutely. the floor. You're yeah, yeah. You know you're single stroke roll, whatever, you know. Yeah, you sure, really how to play in time. Fun. Just, how, just yeah. how to play in time. And how to play with other people as well. Yeah, and how you to uh, play with other people on a social level. Yeah. You know, like travelling to a gig, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, debt people, are they when they're new in, how are they in the van, you know, mm-hmm. versus how are they on the stage? Is that yeah. someone we went to get back in? That, you know, and that means... You kind of learn to present yourself in a way where you hopefully get on with people, and mm-hmm. you know, um, you learn what to do and what not to do on mm-hmm. the stage, and you know, when you're sitting in with somebody, all those kind of things. It teaches. That's what I say. That it teaches you so much about being a musician that's not yeah. taught anywhere else. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, you can't. You can't read that. No. Um, 
so I'm just adjusting mine still. Um, right. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of them. I, I've always been a big fan of them. But like I've said on many, many occasions, they're in mm. my blood. Yeah. Uh, it was normal growing up. Mm-hmm. You know, that was all Dad played. Yeah. He didn't play any original music. Mm-hmm. It was all covers. Yeah. Pub stuff and clubs and weddings. and It was all of that, you know. Mm-hmm. So that it's a normal part of the job for me. Mm-hmm. I guess it's like, I think people don't like the grind of it because uh, the way I see that, it's like um, a trade. Mm-hmm. So I, if yeah, you're a plumber, yeah. fitting a bathroom is just another day at work. Mm-hmm. Changing taps or fixing a toilet, it's just, it's just all the same stuff for yeah. 30 years. Mm-hmm. You know, you just get better at it and quicker at it and new tech comes out. Yeah. yeah, you know, but it's not designing bathrooms, mm-hmm. which is what playing original music is to me. First, yeah, if we're going to make it, if we're oh, going like to an analogy, yeah, yeah, yeah. So imagine a plumber and they they or they have two parts to their career or their, their trade where they can design stuff and and fix stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, the weddings and there's just them going to work, it's just fixing it. And the mm-hmm. other side of it is the creation. You that's know? a really like brilliant way to look at it. Like, well, I never thought a plumber would be such a good analogy. Well, because because that's how I've always thought about them. It's just a trade, man. Mm-hmm. That's just all it is. It just happens to be music. I think people think because it's music, mm-hmm. it should be art all the time. That's yeah. not really how it is to me. Yeah. And I might get criticised for that. I don't know. But that's just the way I think about it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, they're not designed to... Those gigs aren't designed to scratch your creative itch. Go find it somewhere else. Yeah. You know. Because that, the other thing is, like, those gigs in reality are just purely optional like you don't have to do it no of course you not I mean? and of course not you've right. chosen to do it i know a lot of like people who have i've played in bands with who would like the thought of a saturday night wedding is torturous for them because they would much rather be doing something else and i instinctively think well if this is torture for you like why are you doing it then yeah why, maybe why are you putting yourself through it maybe yeah. you've chosen the wrong career yeah totally you absolutely yeah. um but that's you know that i think people think playing music is going to be um, a celebration all the time mm-hmm. you know everything's got to be celebrated um, but it actually doesn't Yeah. you know um, you, I, I don't know again I might get criticised for it but that's just the way I see it no. you know it's just the way it's I a see perfectly it. valid opinion man yeah I think so I think so you know but like, it's, like I've said it's normal it's normal to think about it like that for me mm-hmm. you know um, do you miss doing those gigs? Um, I do and I don't but I sometimes don't miss having to rely on other people you know, I know with <laughs> I know with a wedding gig that if I'm going to do a wedding gig, then it's everyone's there. If especially if I'm going to do a dep gig, I know that I'm going to meet a collective group of people who are all going to be there on time, who are all going to show up, do a good job, go home at the end of it. You know, mm. and um, and get on with really well. And I think sometimes the line between being a, in a band with people and them being your really good pals, I think they kind of what's the how's the best way to phrase this. Like the the line between those things can blur sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes for the better, but sometimes for the worse as well. Okay. Because when stuff goes wrong, you're like, like I really want to be angry at you right now, but you're my pal, so yeah. I don't know how to do it in the best way. Uh-huh. Um, and that can cause dysfunctional relationships as well. Like I remember a few times when I was in originals bands that people just like a guy in the band just one day just never turned up for a gig. Great. Like, what did like, he play? Bass. We played oh, bass. It's pretty so, important then. Yeah, it was like turned up like half an hour after we finished the set. Steaming. It's like oh. you know, it's like it's, it's situations like that. Or sorry, not steaming, drunk. I should I, I always go into Scottish when yeah. I go into but I forget there's people outside of here. Anyway. Um 
and it's like man like what are you doing like, yeah you know what i mean so it's like and it's it's hard in those situations where like i just i hate having to rely on other people that much because or in creative situations because you just don't know what's ultimately going to happen yeah and maybe think, that's on me for being I don't, I don't know if that sounds really controlling like becky controlling but no it doesn't i think yeah. what you're getting at is that you've got to get four or five people on the same page yeah and there's always yeah. someone who's not in my experience that's exactly what i'm trying to say thank you um you know you're trying to get four people on the same page about which direction to take the band in and who's committed and Mm -hmm. all this and all that and there's inevitably someone who is going to sink the ship yeah i've always loved playing in trios Mm -hmm. there's always a majority yeah so when arguments need settled or when when creative decisions need made there's usually always a majority so two versus one yeah and and there's three ways that that can go, you know, mm-hmm. um, three different variations of how that two versus one can go. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I've, th- th- <laughs> three piece bands have always been a little bit more my taste. Yeah, totally. Because then uh, you're right. There's there's no there is no real argument there, you know, because no. there's always a deciding vote. There's always yeah, a two uh, two on one scenario. Absolutely. I mean, even when you go to the pub, if you sit in a booth, it's usually two on one. Totally. You know ah, those yeah. kind of things. Yeah. Um. So I find those those things a little bit easier to to sort of navigate. Um. And it's you know three people fit in a van. Mm-hmm. You know there's three yeah. seats. Um. It's just always a little easier to get everybody there. You know that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And there's very rarely the, or certainly the, the circumstances I've been in. There's very and there's never been someone not turn up. Yeah. You know that's. I hard. mean that was that was like one. I think that was. Ultimately, that was one occasion, but for me, it was kind of like the the straw that broke the camel's back, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, to answer your question, though, there is bits of it I do miss, obviously, the creative side of it. Obviously, like, when during the lockdown and things like that, I was getting the kind of uh, wee, that, that wee creative itch yeah. here and there, you know. But then, I, like, I kind of thought about it, and I was like, is this ultimately going to be more hassle than it's going to be worth, uh-huh. you know? Yeah, I mean that the creative part of it's really important. I think absolutely. Yeah. Um, have you have you ever led your own band? No, I've always just been a member of it. Oh, I guess like the first originals band that I was in was like a kind of a very much a collaborative thing. Like we were put together almost in college because you know college they try and teach you here's here's how to be a musician. Mm. Um, and like they put you in bands with people who you necessarily don't know, don't never really spoke to before, and it just so happened that like. It sounds like a pure One Direction style story, but it just so happened that we were all actually genuinely really good pals. Oh, like cool. we all end up, we all just clicked, you know. Right. Um, in situations like I was talking about, where like there would be creative conflict and things like that, that strangely made it a little bit easier because we all got on so well that we knew that any any shit that we had to talk about was just in a practice room. Mm. You know what I mean? Like the same guys that I could have an argument with, I could be screaming, hee hawing, and laughing mm. five minutes later yeah. in the pub or whatever, yeah. you know. Um, I think that's really important. I think that's really healthy. Yeah, certainly. I think you should be able to say that something's good or bad. Absolutely, yeah. And it was five of us, so again, we had that kind of like that kind of three there was on always two. three on two. There was always someone who was going to be like make the deciding kind of vote. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, yeah. I did lead a band when I came out of college, which is interesting to have to call all of the shots. Mm-hmm. You know, you I, I wrote all the music. Right. So I assembled the Avengers for it, you know, found the right players and um Were you the Hulk? I think I was Scarlet Witch, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um 
Uh, and uh, yeah, I had to book the gigs and I had to get everybody to rehearsal and I had to get everybody to uh, the, 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 make sure everybody remembered when the gig was mm. and, and all that stuff. And that's f- funny because that you then have to play the gig. Yeah. You know, and all that goes through your head while you're playing is pe- are people enjoying themselves? You know, mm-hmm. are, the, you know are the band okay? Mm-hmm. Like trying to read people on the stage and are they mm-hmm. playing well? And yeah. You know, all of that stuff. Have they been fed? Mm-hmm. You know, because um, uh, it's originals music, are they getting paid? Can I pay them? Mm-hmm. Is there enough on the door? Mm-hmm. All of those things. And I, I like that but I don't like it. It's hard, man. It's, you know, it, it usually helps if they're your friends. Yeah. Or you have. Because I guess if it's if it's unknowns, then, like, if something goes wrong with an unknown entity, you don't know how they're going to react to that. If it's your mates, at least if your mates, you kind of, they'll, there'll be leeway. Here and yeah, there, I don't know. think I would ever just randomly get someone I'd never worked with or played with right. to come and play. I don't think I would do that. Okay. Um, You know, that, I think when it's your own band, people kind of have to be on the same page musically. Mm-hmm. Certainly for me. So, yeah. like, if I reference Tool, mm-hmm. people have to know what that is, at yeah. least, or have listened to an album or something. You know, yeah. like, here's what I'm going for with this idea, you know. Um, and luckily, that has usually been the case. I've never had anybody be like, treat me weird. Like, what is this man you know like they just don't get it you know yeah um but i always kind of try to pick the players quite carefully right um just so that they have your back yeah totally you know yeah um if i give them a new chart they're going to go away and rehearse it they're going to practice it so when we come to rehearsal it's not learning music at the rehearsal because there's nothing does my head in more than people that don't practice ahead of coming in mm-hmm because that's just tonight a, on pet peeves well, it's just a waste <laughs> yeah. of time man like especially I, I would pay for the rehearsals so that mm-hmm. it would all you know because I can't ask people to come and play my music and then get them to pony up yeah exactly. you know it's not, it's just not how I see it should mm-hmm. be done you know mm-hmm. if it's you know if it's an even if it's split evenly mm-hmm. if if everybody has a say in the writing and whatever else then cool yeah it's split down however many ways but if it's just my thing my project then yeah I, I would make sure that you know i would encourage them as much as i could to to have it down before we got there because sure. usually the music was pretty hard mm-hmm. you know so having broken the back of it before you get to rehearsal was always a ben a benefit yeah it just makes it easier for everyone doesn't it you absolutely know, there's no kind of messing about and just yeah you know. absolutely and that means that the, the rehearsal can be a wee bit more humored it can be a wee bit you know we can have a laugh about it yeah. rather than me being pissed off because somebody hasn't bothered to learn. Ironically, it ends up feeling less like a rehearsal. Yes, and that's yeah. what it should be like. Yeah, totally. That's what it should be like, you know. Totally. Rather than because you're there to rehearse, you're not there to learn. Oh, I absolutely. You know, yeah. it's in the word. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's a that's an interesting thing that I think all drummers should do at one point is lead a band. You know, mm-hmm. like get some some tunes that you've either written or. Um, you know that you you want to cover if it's you know if you don't write music find some stuff that you want to cover you know if it's um, some snarky puppy or something weird and and, and awkward and push yourself a little bit and get four or five people into a room where you are literally the director of it Mm -hmm. I think that's really fascinating it's really great for you as a musician to sort of learn how to deal with all those kind of situations and it means then if you get called to do something Mm -hmm. 
You have a little bit of empathy for the the, the band leader. Yeah. Because they're trying to get a vision across. Yeah. You know, they're trying to get a, a a sound down, or you know, and you can relate to yeah, that. Yeah, you understand the inner mechanics. Of, yeah, of and you, you're not you're not just kind of I can't be fine, man, because it it won't. Yeah. You know that attitude. I, I've never really got on board with it. It'll be fine. Mm-hmm. I would always rehearse it once more. Mm-hmm. especially if it was my own music and like I say it was usually pretty difficult Yeah, time signature changes and sure. the guitar was it jazzy kind of stuff yeah it was like jazz rock so right. it was like taking really weird jazz harmony and, and, and playing like uh, weird time signatures but with a kind of rock vibe behind it you yeah, know so sure. uh, I would reference the Mars Volta Tool um, you know Smashing Pumpkins you know the, that kind of feel those kind of yeah. you know, that kind of energy and volume yeah. a lot of the time electric guitar electric bass saxophone mm-hmm. Um, but still with a sort of jazz vibe, you know, yeah. weird harmony and and, and drummers. T- <laughs> you said jazz vibe. I know. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, drummers, especially uh, those kind of drummers, if they're writing music, tend to write harmony in a way that makes it really difficult for uh, other musicians to solo through. Mm-hmm. Because what um, uh, sort of horn players and string players tend to do is they can they use they connect the harmony so that scales are easy to solo through mm-hmm. drummers don't they just write cool shit and, and try and work it out it's usually quite rhythmically dense you know mm-hmm. I would think nothing is shifting nine eight six four four four. you know just shifting those time signatures over a loop or something or yeah. you know wrote some really wrote in 11 quite a lot you know or mm-hmm. um, you know I would have like I wrote th- I would always try and write rhythms and melodies though that were singable mm-hmm. so that the time signature was kind of either disguised or it wasn't thought about. It mm-hmm. didn't feel like we're playing in seven. Usually, when I do, just if it, if it's something that I've rushed, it feels like it. It yeah. feels like it just feels like you're falling off a cliff. You know, mm-hmm. there's a beat missing or mm-hmm. there's a beat added. You know. Yeah. Um, I've I've often found the best or my favorite odd time signature music feels really natural. Mm-hmm. That's why I really love Tool because mm-hmm. I think they can play in weird time signatures and it doesn't feel like folk try to dance weird or something you know <laughs> yeah like, totally I, I, I don't really buy into people subverting time signatures just for the ti- just for the sake of it yeah um you know not try- trying to be smart or something you know Aye. um so i would try my best to do that you know so mm-hmm. i had one tune in particular that was like a bar of try to remember this a bar of nine eight a bar of seven eight a bar of six eight and a bar of three eight it was but it, it was just this big sort of melodic line Mm-hmm. That just cycled over these bars, and it made sense as a phrase when you heard it back. Right, you know, yeah, it, it yeah. was really singable. The the rhythms weren't super bonkers. So once the band had the phrase down, it was like, oh, that's actually really easy. Mm-hmm. That's not that hard at all. Yeah, because um, it'd be quite daunting. Like if you've got like, okay, this is a bar and nine, it is a bar and such and such. such oh, when such, you put know? that down in front of someone, you watch them kind of go white. Yeah, you know, if they've never seen it before, they're like, dude, what, what, what is this? Is this? Yeah. You know, and you're like, I'll just sing you it. Mm-hmm. And if you kind of got the phrase down, or I would create like a MIDI demo, mm-hmm. I would take it from Sibelius and I would put it into Logic and and put it on something that was, and they could play, it, they could hear it, and they're like, ah, oh, okay, right, cool. I kind of <laughs> that makes a wee bit more sense in my sure. head, you know. So yeah. it's not some. So they're, they're they're effectively just learning a phrase. The one of the greatest um, lines that someone ever said to me at college was, "Nobody's ever played a bar line." Oh, okay. So yeah. why are we thinking in terms of bar lines? Yeah. You know, there's a bar of nine and a bar of six. No, just learn the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Learn the whole phrase. 
and it makes your life so much easier, you know. Because yeah. um, then you're not sitting there going one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight, I, absolutely. You know? The minute you're trying to count it, you've, you're not playing music. Yeah. For me. Yeah. You know, you're doing like um, paint by numbers. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And and it's, you know, there's a point where you have to do that to get it under your hands and feet. Mm-hmm. You know, and even me who wrote it, there would be points where I would have to do that to get it under yeah. my feet. My but hands. that's again, that's that's to go to bring it full circle. Um, that's not for when you're rehearsing it. That's no. for when you're. That's when you're in your house. Absolutely. Practice yeah. time. Yeah. Know, that's absolutely. when, like, okay, I need to get this phrase down. How do I do that? Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, yeah, blah, 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 yeah. and yeah. so on and so on. You know, yeah. not, so that when you turn up to a rehearsal like that, you're just like, cool, just that, ready to go for that phrase, guys. Cool. The, the hardest part for me was always yeah. I would never think about the drums when I wrote music. So I would, I, I would often write something like, shit, how am I actually going to play this? I was going to say, did you ever write yourself into a corner in that way? Loads of times. Yeah. Loads of times. Um, which was great. Mm-hmm. Um, because it teaches you how to be uh, creative mm-hmm. in those circumstances. And Apparently, loads of, loads of film writers and all that do that, like they purposely, or TV show writers, they write yourself into a corner just to find creative ways to get out of it. Absolutely, and I would put um, I would put parameters in place where I could only write uh, in a certain time signature or a certain key signature or something like that. I would, I'm much more creative with limitation. Mm-hmm. Like if I stay, if I sit down at a keyboard, I can't play the piano or the keyboard very well. So if I sit down at it, mm-hmm. I'm just never going to write anything. But if I'm going to write, I'm going to write in this key or I'm going to use these chords. When we were at college, we used to get scales, actually. Our, our instructor would give us a scale mm-hmm. and we would have to go away and work out what chords were available in that scale and those were the only notes we could use. I find that really, really easy to write that way. Yeah. Much, much easier to write than if someone gives me all the colours sure. to paint with. I won't paint a picture, but if you've got black, white and green, you'll paint some. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, but conversely, like you said, I would write myself into a corner Mm-hmm. Dramatically, if you like, and think. Dramatically, there's a word. I know, right? And think, how am I going to get myself out of this? And then I would have to. Uh, uh, the, the, the ways I would often do it would be to think melodically rather than about the drums. So I would never ever think about where I'm going to play a backbeat. Mm-hmm. I would just kind of let that happen. So I would put the logic thing on a loop. Mm-hmm. and just loop it for an hour and just try and get it under my hands try and play the phrase under my hands and then try and turn it into some sort of groove which made sense you know mm-hmm. and that's typically where the finished product would come from mm-hmm. you know rather than rather than just write from the drum kit you know yeah you know so i've never really written i'm gonna write in this bar just you know yeah so yeah there you fun go. times i miss doing that yeah yeah i miss doing that i do have I should almost finished actually. That mm-hmm. I I got pretty much done over lockdown. I'm just waiting on guitarist to be available to to do the guitar part, and then I can put it out in the world, and people can either love it or hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have music out there. I actually have one Bandcamp. So if anybody listening, here's a plug. I've never really done this before, but if anybody's listening, Chris Whitehouse Bandcamp, and there's I think the band is called Connected, and the album's called Grounded. Mm-hmm. It's kind of bonkers, mm-hmm. but good. It's not it's not weird out wacky yeah, yeah. nonsense you know it's, it's your jazz album isn't it yeah it's kind of jazz rock so it's yeah. it's still listenable yeah you know there are backbeats and drum solos and guitar solos and mm-hmm. things like that you know so um did i ever tell you how that got recorded i think you've mentioned it i don't know if you've ever spoke about it on the podcast maybe you did in an early episode i can't remember it got recorded in one day eight tunes we did in eight hours wow um which like was a song an hour basically and there was multiple, multiple multiple takes and multiple cock-ups as well, yeah. you know, so, and lunch, we had, we broke for lunch, and yeah. it was the pretty... The engineer t- must have hated you. Uh, well, like, th- I mean, there's eight tunes on it, 
five of them had been gigged. Right. So that makes it at least a bit easier. You know, you know five of them were under the hands of the of the of the band. We kind of knew what we were doing with them, uh, and then there were three that that weren't. Or was it six and two? Might have even been six and two actually. Mm-hmm. So that was even better. But one of the ones that we hadn't really played was really tough to record. And I kind of wish I'd left it off. Mm-hmm. But then people have heard it. And be like, actually, I like that man. Like, okay, well, maybe well, it's, it's just interesting maybe, how yeah. people hear it in a different way from you. Oh, totally. Well, that's that's the whole creative process, isn't it? Like, if you create something, you're already far too close to it. <laughs> so you can't see. You've literally lost the ability to see it objectively. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Which is a kind of that's the, the whole art in it, man. Oh, absolutely, art. yeah. Absolutely. Um, um, and I guess a, once you put it out, it doesn't matter what you think about it because it's not up to you anymore. Oh yeah, exactly. You've you've lost the the right to kind of criticize it. Absolutely, bit, you know? absolutely. No, or not even criticize it, but just be precious about it. I, you know, so people can well and can and should take from it what they want. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think people should think about that. Not even just like about music but just in like any form of content they should put out mm-hmm. like as soon as you put it out if someone says they don't like it mm-hmm. like that's that's not your fault anymore or no, not, 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 not your fault but it's like you've also lost the right to kind of be like you're wrong yeah you, you know? we don't put it out if you don't want people to yeah have to, a go to, at it to have a go at it because yeah. you have to take the good and the bad mm-hmm. you have Somebody to grow yeah, you have to take people to people have to like it and people have to not like it. Mm-hmm. You know, they have choice. So yeah, um, and it's funny as well because a lot of people just like ten people can say something's good, but if the eleventh person says no, that's rotten. You're gonna value that eleventh person's opinion over yeah. the ten people who liked it. What about crazy that way? Yeah. Um, so we haven't talked about drums for a while. So the nerd out on that is I recorded uh, with my Yamaha recording custom. When I had a recording custom. Yeah. And it was all Sabians. I borrowed a ride symbol for that, actually. From the shop? No, from a guy called Mark Scobie. Do you know Mark? Yeah, no, yeah, Mark. Yeah, Mark lent me his um, Artisan 20 inch light ride before I had my own, mm-hmm. um, which was a beautiful symbol. Mm-hmm. Um, I had Artisan hats, 13s. I still have all of these symbols, actually. Yeah. 13 Artisan hats. I had. A ozone 16 inch AX ozone mm-hmm. 18 inch AAX studio crash which is actually one of my favourite symbols ever made do you know mm-hmm. that it's yeah. a great symbol and they don't make it now um, it's really warm it's a lovely sounding symbol and I'm pretty sure I had, had a 10 inch HHX splash RIP somebody nicked it oh, no. and a Legacy Crash, mm. 18 inch Legacy Crash, mm-hmm. and I used I had a Yamaha 14 by five and a half copper snare, and I hated it. Yeah, I hated it. I Why did you hate it? Because it just. Have you ever had a drum you can't play? In terms of like, like you just can't play the way you normally play, like your hands won't work. Mm-hmm. That drum for me was like kryptonite. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, I could never get it to sound where I wanted it to sound. And I just couldn't play the drum right. I don't understand it. I don't mm. get it. You know, maybe it was because I had you still have it. No, I long sold that. Yeah. Um, I long sold that. <laughs> Be gone, uh, Kryptonite. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I just couldn't get it to like. I couldn't play all my stuff. Yeah, I couldn't do my things on it, man. It wasn't my vibe, you know. After all that jab, I mean, he won't play anything. <laughs> totally like, yeah, it's totally. just like, you know, because um, I would listen back and I was like, ah, just double sound awful and nothing really flowed and. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just didn't like that drum at all. Yeah. It's too dry for me. Too dry. Dry. Um, so, yeah, it's long gone. But how did it sound recorded? Uh, you tell me. You listen to it and tell me. Touche, sir. Um, Touché. You know, I didn't like it, mm-hmm. but I was there. I was stuck with it. I brought it. So yeah, that's that's that was your option for the day. Pretty much. Yep. I didn't that bring another nothing. one. Yep. Um, I, um, I didn't bring another one. So what what else are you meant to do? True. You know, True that. What else are you meant to do? True that. Do you know what else is a really nice snare drum? What? Um, just because we said we would bring it out yeah. at the start of this, we should bring out the Steve Gadd. Yeah. People have been hanging on this. People have been waiting for this moment. Okay, so uh, if you're listening to this, ha, you're missing out. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. Did you do any product like reader funding? Um, yes. Cool. Well, you can talk about it. Okay. Because I didn't. Okay, neither did I. Not even in the mic. It's a steel shell, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Um, it's got diecast hoops. Yeah. So that's um, Steve Gadd's spec. A, a beaded st- uh, steel shell, diecast mm-hmm. hoops, um, black nickel everywhere. Mm-hmm. It has a power stroke three on the batter side, and strangely. And interestingly, it has a diplomat mm-hmm. on the bottom and Steve's patented, or not patented, but Steve's choice of wire. Yes. Um, unfortunately, it does not make you sound like Steve Gadd. Yeah. Because nothing will, but it is yeah. very, very beautiful. The only so, person who sounds like Steve Gadd is Steve Gadd. Yes. Uh, I actually, surprisingly, I thought it was going to have a pinstripe on it. Um, but it's got a power stroke three. It does. Yeah. Um, that shows you my ignorance. I thought Steve played a pinstripe on the snare as well, but there you have it. Um, so yeah, the guard drum. Yep, it's, it's gorgeous. Pretty, pretty. Yeah, it's very pretty. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we have two in Glasgow. We have one in Leeds. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you should absolutely get your hands on the prize. Yeah, do it. Uh, for listeners, uh, you just missed out and seen an absolutely beautiful snare drum. Soz. They can see it. They can see it on our website. Yes, it's on Instagram as well, yeah. um, and Facebook, and um, Instagram stories, and well, um, the stories will be gone, unfortunately. But yeah, yeah but I'll bring it back because I can, I can do that. I'm bringing um, <laughs> sexy back like Justin Timberlake, <laughs> um, and I, I'll put it on Twitter, and I'll maybe put it on uh, TikTok, and um, I'll put it on uh, my mum's Twitter, because uh, um, and I'll put it on. Um, um, it's a cool story, Messenger. bro. I know it needs more fireworks and explosions, doesn't it? Uh, I mean, I'm not sure. It has Gad. All the fireworks and explosions out there. Yeah, exactly. What more do you need? Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, Have you recorded your sonar drums yet? No, I've not. Well, actually, that's a lie. I've just straight up lied to you. I just looked you straight in the eyes and just lied straight to you. Thanks for that. I'm very sorry about that. That's okay. Um, I have recorded it. It's been through an EAD 10. Oh, okay. So, but you've you've not been in a studio yet? No, I've not been in a studio yet, unfortunately. Um, if anyone would like to help me out by putting it in the studio, ever that would be fantastic. <laughs> um, no, I would really like to get it in the studio. Um, I still need to work out what heads I want to put on it. Um, okay, what's on it? I've got UV twos on it right now. Um, you know, and I just I really just want to experiment with heads, right? Because um, not that it sounds bad with the UV twos on it. It sounds great. I just want to see what other heads will sound like on the kit because I've only just got it, and you know I like to go through much like my snare drum. I like to, to go. Excuse me to go through the ringer of just choosing what heads work best for not even just for the kit as a whole but like what heads will work best for each individual drum so like I might not necessarily have the same head on a 10 inch tom as what I would in a 16 inch see I think that's the thing yeah I'm into that yeah yeah Yeah, well I mean a 10 inch tom and a 14 inch floor tom are vastly different yeah you know, so size even. I just the amount of air they're going to move so the amount the the thickness of the head should probably vary Mm -hmm. to me um, 
Totally. Yeah. You should. Are you going to go back to Remo? Or are you going to do it with Evans? I don't know. I'll just. I'll. As I say, I'll, I'll just. I'll eventually. I'll, I'll work my way around the. the the rabbit hole mm. is that an expression? I don't yeah, know. If it is, but I don't it, know. It like, just we'll make it one. Yeah. Um, didn't you see like the four teams really vibrant? Oh my god! Oh my days! Yeah. Wow. I've like from coming from having played a breakbeats for five years. <laughs> nothing against the breakbeats. I absolutely love it. I love a small kit vibe. But see when you actually have a floor tom that actually says that barks back at you. Right. It's brilliant. It's so good. Yeah. Um, because before the break beats, I would have a, I had a pinstripe on it and I hit it and it just, boom. Yeah. It just did what it had to do. But this one, like on the, the on the SQ one, when I hit the fourteen, it's just, boom. It's like it's, there's a different. We were talking about this earlier on. There's a different presence about that drum. Mm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And when you hit the two, granted, this four tom and a th- uh, break beats is a thirteen and this is a fourteen. Still, even by an inch, whatever doesn't matter. Um, just the presence that the SQ1 Flow Tom has is just unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. We, do you not remember when I first got it, we set it up in the demo room and Ben Aldred from Evans was here and I, I, I literally just put the Flow Tom on legs. I hadn't even really tuned it properly and I just hit it and he was like, whoa. Yeah. Like, I... it felt as though the room was moving. Yeah. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. Bro. This is a set of drums. Absolutely, this man. This is a cat of drums. That's a cat, a cat of sona. That's a cat of sona. Um, absolutely. Aye, amazing. Would you, never, would you never put the 10 and 12 up? Well, uh, see, this is funny. See, to bring back Everson full circle, I like that expression, full circle. Yeah. Um, it's like a circle of life, linking. Um, <laughs> when I used to strip my drums apart, like literally all the lugs, take them off and put them back on. Like Again, I would kind of experiment a little bit with different setups. And when I say experiment a little bit, I mean I just took off one of the rack toms and then just never put it back on. Right. And it still hasn't went back on for about 10 years, maybe. And it's not because I've lost the drum. I mean, I'm sure it's somewhere. But <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I've just I always liked just the one up, one down. Yeah. Um, It was frustrating because of how Sonar did it. They sell the SQ-1 as like a, a three-piece shell pack and I had to add the 10 on. I really like 10-inch toms. Right. I always got on really well with 10-inch toms. Not so much with 12s. 12s are my Achilles heel. Really? I, yeah, absolutely. 12-inch toms. I just, I don't know what it is. I can never get on with a 12-inch tom. Huh. Isn't that weird? Yeah, it's really strange. It's really, it's, and it's bizarre considering that's like the most common tom size. You're the second person this week that said that. Really? Yeah. No way. Who else did it? Uh, we had a customer on the other day. She'd brought a snare drum in and huh. uh, we talked about she never gets on with a 12 either. Interesting. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Something in the water. There you go. I really like twelves. Yeah. Yeah. I like them too. I, if I can get it sounding right, maybe it's just me. I mean, I'm maybe just far too pernickety. I don't know. Who knows? I mean, what is it that you haven't liked? I I think strangely, this is gonna really strange. Bear with me here, but I I feel as though I can get a ten to sound deeper than what I can a twelve. Oh wow. Okay. Like, um. I feel well, like I mean, obviously, there's going to be definitely like the overall tone of the drum is going to still be inherently higher because it's a smaller drum. Yeah. But just for me, I can get the depth out of a ten that I just can't seem to get out of a twelve. Huh. I feel like now I want you to bring your drums in. Well, I do want you to bring your drums in just so because I haven't really played them. Yeah. You like want to have a them. shot, don't you? I do. Yeah. I do. I fancy a go. We should have a sonar off. Uh, we should. You should um, bring your vintage. I will. I will. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I just fancy a shot, and I would like. I wonder what it's like with all three toms. Mm-hmm. You know. I think it'd be a fun experiment. I also think maybe 
again, maybe I've not got on with twelves because I've just not had a high end kit before. You know. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Don't I mean, know. have you played your twelve on your sonar no, at all? No. no. It's still in the box. Still, like it's currently on uh, my girlfriend's dining room table. Right. Wow. Yeah. It's a okay. centerpiece. <laughs> it's got a candle on top of it. <laughs> a TV on it. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Um, oh, we should do something about that. I feel like it's little lonely twelve. It's just like. No. Please, I walk past it when I go to practice. Me. Yeah, as it's <laughs> won't you play me, sir? Um when I'm I mean well the tens just like walking past going, ah, bye. <laughs> He's taking me out again. He loves me. <laughs> um yeah, I feel I feel like you should play it, man. We need to rectify that, yeah. Just think, yeah. And and uh, even like after that, if if you still are like down with the twelve, yeah. we can, you know, fine. No, but I feel like you should at least give it its place. Yeah. Set it up and just see yeah. how we get on. Okay, yeah. maybe I will. Yeah, and I'll get symbols in a different place for you and okay. stuff, you know. Like, it's like I pimp my setup. Wee bit. <laughs> well, wee bit. That'd, yeah. just, that'd be quite cool, actually, yeah. And we t- what we did, we put a TV in your 12 inch town. Try it on just a symbol stand or a CTS 4000, you know, symbol top yeah, yeah. stand. Uh-huh, or just yeah, yeah, yeah. clamp an arm and see how you got on, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, like I say, if you're still like, nope, it's mm-hmm. not for me, then. So would you. Would you have both up or would you yeah. replace? Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. 14. Okay. Yeah. I remember going into a rehearsal room a couple of years ago and it was old school. It was Fusion 20, 22, 10, 12, 14. Mm-hmm. It was a star classic, Birch Babinga. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, they're up. I'll just leave them. Yeah. So I was like, oh, this is actually lots of fun to play. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I would. I accidentally played this fill in on the snare drum well I didn't accidentally play it I deliberately played it but mm-hmm. it was improvised I, I hadn't thought the, the fill through in my head mm-hmm. but I played the, a phrase on the snare and then mirrored it down the toms and was like oh that was really lovely <laughs> that, <laughs> was, that was just nice it was really musical and just yeah, yeah I think I should play 10, 12, 14 more yeah. and then I went on a, a, a sort of I'm going to buy myself a 10 inch vintage tom and never ever bought one no. so um, short lived yeah I think I bought a house instead you well, know, so I, mean, that's I had change, you know. priorities at the time. You, you know, can't live in a ten-inch song. Well, <laughs> you can. <laughs> that's what you think. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was like, mm, I have other priorities, and you know, I'll get around to buying one yeah. of those one day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still haven't, you know. Yeah. Um, so I'd, I'd maybe like to have try a shot. It. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would quite like to play the vintage. I, I had a very oh, yeah, when we did the rolling night. I had a very very small go on it. And it wasn't really, I, d- I feel like I didn't give it my best. Yeah. I just hit the bass drum and went, that sounds great. Yeah, I'll bring in the snare for it as well. Right, yeah. Um, you really love that vintage snare, I do you? really love that vintage snare, man. There's something in it. There's a little bit of magic in it. I mm-hmm. don't know what it is. I had a, like, there was a customer brought a D-Light drum in. Mm-hmm. Um, a 14x6.5 Sonar D-Light. Every time he had it, I was like, if you ever sell that drum, it's mine. <laughs> like, I, I want that drum. Mm-hmm. And then one came up. Mm-hmm. And I bought it, and it's a bit of a letdown. Not really? gonna lie, it's just not. I just keep coming back to the vintage series. Yeah, I just don't know what it is, man. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's just a little bit of. It's just got warmth and crack and sensitivity. It's got everything I want in a snare. I hardly have to dampen it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not necessarily got the broadest tuning range. I'll give it that. Mm-hmm. I will say that. So if you want it. How do you usually have it tuned? Like uh, mid to high. high. Yeah, mid to high. It's kind of where I have all my snare drums usually. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a kind of low-pitched douche guy. I've just never yeah. been that guy. But you're also not a, like a tabletop 
crank. No, no, crack. I'm I'm not that either. Um, you know, so yeah, I definitely know where I like the drums to sit, but mm-hmm. um, I have tried to tune it a bit lower, and it sort of the body just gives out a bit. You know, after a certain is that just tension? Of the depths? Is it? I think so. Yeah. I think so. Um, the hoops are quite heavy on it as well. Mm-hmm. They're somewhere between triple flange and 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 die cast. So, right. um, incremental adjustments do way more Didn't for like the a full yeah. You know, so yeah. I think I've just maybe not spent enough time trying to tune it down low. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel like you tune it down a wee bit and then the lugs are off. Right. You know, yeah, so yeah. it's like on or. <laughs> yeah totally um, so yeah I, I want to try and maybe um, experiment a wee bit more we should just bring our kits in yeah we should just do that yeah absolutely maybe we'll film it for the podcast we, we could we should actually film our setups I think that should be a thing we do do you think so yes. I mean now that we're filming these I guess that's we've got absolute we've got scope for that you know here's my favourite gear yeah you know um, totally I sold the majority of Miston Bulls off oh are they Gonzo four out of the six are away right yeah. wow so um I'll be back to playing Sabians when yeah. I'm back out. Um, Rocking the, the Sabians. Yeah, just... Yeah, yeah just love them. Mm-hmm. Miss them. Artisans? Uh, w- three of the setup are, yeah. Right. Okay. Ride, hats, and a crash. Right. I have a 16-inch crash. I have a 22-inch light ride, which is the nicest symbol in the world. Mm-hmm. And the, the 13 hats I've had for years. Oh, 13 hats, really? Yeah, yeah. Wow, okay, mm-hmm. good news. Mm-hmm. I would have thought, like, outsider looking in, I would have put you as a 15-inch high hat guy. Nah, well, when I bought them, they didn't make 15s. Okay, fair news. That's just a more recent thing. Um, and I had 14-inch hats at the time. I had right. other 14s. I thought, I'll get 13s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a loveliness to them. They're just super quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but they still sound great. They don't lose any volume when you have to pedal them, that kind of thing. You know, they're really crisp and clean. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got a 19-inch HHX Extreme Crash, mm-hmm. which I love. Artisan Crash, Ozone, Studio Crash. I don't always play them all. I usually play t- two crashes in the ride. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I did play the Ozone for a while as a second crash. But if I'm going to take that now, I take it as a third crash. Right. Um, Because it's not a, a symbol you hit all the time, mm-hmm. you know, so it was a bit too trashy all the time, you know? Yeah. I found that I used to use my uh, Zildjian K EFX right. as my main crash. Oh, okay. My, my main and only crash. Right. It's not really happening, is it? No. No. Just checking that also, camera. Yes. I also tore through it very quickly. Oh, have you broken it? Just, it? I, I had to get it replaced. Oh, no way. Um, because it was my only main, it was my main crash. I crashed on the ride as well. I just got a 22-inch K standard ride. Um and I would crash on that as well, but I just, I, for some reason, I had it in my head. I was like, I want my main crash to just be really different. <laughs> Man. And um, got this as just my, my main and only crash, and I, like, tore through it, like, in about four months. Wow. It was just, well, I was thinking about it, it was the only crash thing I was only using yeah, as a crash symbol, so it makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I've had my on for ten years, though. Have you? Yeah, okay. it's just bent and warped. Yeah. I've, I've never broken it. I've never really broken not? one. No. So, like, not even, like, cracks no. in the holes or anything? Well, no. Okay, fair is. It's really thin. Is it? I think it's a bit thinner than the newer ones. Right. Um, so yeah, I've never broken one. Oh, fair days. So fair if it was to break it, I think I would replace it with like the new HHS complex or something. Oh yeah, oh big time, yeah. You know, oh. they they've just released some ozones. They're not around yet, but Lovely. um yeah, I think if I was gonna re- if I ever do break it, I think I would replace it with that. Mm-hmm. Um I do like the darkness a wee bit more yeah. um than the AEX. But the, it's it's served me well. Mm-hmm. Served me very well that symbol. I think if I ever crack my EFX because it's now out of warranty I think I would just keep it 
just the way it is. Because there's an argument that those cymbals sound better when they're a bit gubbed. So it really, de- yeah, it really depends on the sound you want and how gnarly the sound you want. You yeah. Know? Um, but yeah, you're right. I think. Yeah. You know. Do you know what I, mean? I still remember when I could when I noticed it was cracked? I just I remember my heart sank because I remember being in a rehearsal room. <laughs> And I just crashed it. And you know that way you can hear that, like, not initially when you first strike the cymbal, but obviously by the time the air moves through it and the kind of, like, the whole energy goes through the cymbal, you just hear, like, an extra kind of... Yeah. Yeah. It's like, no! Or those cymbals tend to die off really quickly instead of sustain. Yeah. Um, if, when you crack those, like, they, they become really quick. Mm-hmm. Um, What's interesting about it, I think, anyway, maybe other people might disagree, but see when I got it replaced, it didn't sound the same mm. as the one prior to it yeah i don't think the new ozone sound like mine did really? but then i i that's a memory of 10 years ago and yeah i can't really remember what it sounded like when i bought yeah. it you know well my efx my new one um sounded much brighter oh really than the one i had before yeah the other one actually my, my the one i bought um sounded much darker it's maybe the weight of the casting could be um yeah. You know, because Zildjian are super consistent, eh? that's why the machine yeah, everything. That, so. that's why I was like, oh, wow, that's, that's like, and it's the first time I've actually, if I've ever had a replacement symbol, it's the first time that I've actually noticed it sounding a little bit different. Mm. Like, oh, that's, like, not bad, just, yeah, yeah. like, different from what I was used to. Yeah. Um, which I've is only, nice sometimes. I've only ever broken one symbol. Have you? Yeah, I broke, I used to have, years ago I had an Istanbul Agop signature, no, special edition 20-inch jazz ride, really thin, dark symbol, and I took it out on a club gig and, ladled the shit out of it because you couldn't hear it yeah and had a tiny crack in it right guess that's the last time i take that symbol out yeah. do you know my just where we're speaking of crack symbols uh my 14 inch k um master sound hats have a crack in them oh really but you can't hear it are they still under warranty yeah i got them replaced oh, yeah okay. I've, I've, right. I've literally like i've got them in i've got the new set and the symbol bag i've just not used them because you can't hear the crack in the current ones oh just cracked okay. so i just got them replaced. whereabouts are they cracked it's on the lathe Top or bottom symbol? Top, top symbol. How did you break hi hats? But it's like it's like it's, it's like I'm talking like it's not even like a fingernail. Like it's like it's so small. It's so how do you know it's crack. definitely a crack? It's, it is a crack because you can see it on the other side. It's like it's oh, okay, through. right, okay. Um, um, how did you break hi hats? I've no idea. I've absolutely no idea. I kind of admire people that break hi hats. Do you? A little bit. My old stage hats got cracked. Like they got rinsed. But like, they're like, <laughs> so they're like, like. Captain America's shield or something, you know, like, you need Thor, you need Thor's hammer to do it. Yeah, man. But bear in mind, my stage hats, they were, like, they were actually, like, like bits of them were curling. Like, they were that cracked. But I was hitting them with two Bs. Even and, still, though, like... And also, um, because I've obviously got guns, right? <laughs> um, I was hitting them with two Bs, and I was also... I used to be a very arms player. Right. So I wouldn't, like, just, like, use my wrist to like, get all right. the power out of it. I would, like, actually, like... Like, have you ever seen an octopus fight? Yeah. Like, it was like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it was just... Every day, mate. <laughs> yeah, every day, yeah. yeah. If I had a pound. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I would just be, like, hitting it away and just eventually over time. I used to play in a lot of rock bands as well and, I, like, I, in my mind, if people were watching us, I just would want to put all energy. See that video of the, the drummer at the wrong gig? Mm. <laughs> that was, like, how, I, he was my hero. I was like, I want to be like that. That's yeah. the guy I aspire to be. As I'm sure we all did at one point. Ah, at some point now. Um, but I was like, well, he goes balls to the wall, so so am I. Yeah, but... And then yeah, the but price. still, breaking hi-hats is impressive. That's, yeah, it's not good. Breaking stage hats, man, that's... Yeah. Like, uh, I've never understood how you break hi-hats. 
my apologies, they're not stage hats, they're accelerator hi hats. Right, okay. So, mm-hmm. I mean, not that that makes it any better, but. No, just a different, slightly different weight. Or the, yeah. or the bottom one's uh, beveled, eh? It's like a sound yeah. edge kind yeah. of thing, you know? But the top one was absolutely gub. <laughs> like, 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 I, it's not even fair, man. Like, I still feel sorry for it. Oh, little hi hats. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> have you still got them? Yeah, I've still got them. Have you made a clock out of them yet? In, not yet, not yet. In, I mean, I'm, I'll tell Amy that. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just put it on the wall. I'll not say anything. I'll I mean, that could be wall. a project for one of her classes. Mm, might be a bit primary kids here's a metal symbol <laughs> have at it <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's kind of scarred and cut up and all that <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <laughs> little billy lost a digit <laughs> how did you lose a toe <laughs> um fair enough maybe we won't do that maybe not um, i've still got them they're in a hard case somewhere in my parents house like right. all my all my um ax symbols are in there what else you've got i've got so I've got the accelerator hats. It was the the one that came in the um, oh, this is the stage set with stage crashes. Or uh-huh. ex- stage crashes or explosion crashes. Explosion crashes right, that came okay. with sixteen and eighteen. I still love. I, I've spoken about this in the podcast before, but I still maintain that that eighteen inch explosion is awesome. Oh, it's great. Super loud. Eh? Mm-hmm. Are they in any fit state to be played? The eight, do you know where the crashes are? Right. Okay. Yeah. The ride's the ride? all right. The ride's okay. Is I it think. a stage ride? Yeah. Do you know there's a little, little bit of love in my heart for a stage ride? For a stage ride, yeah. I remember doing a gig and I borrowed Liam's gear. Yeah. Uh, that's twice, Liam. <laughs> yep. Twice tonight. Twice. Um, and I borrowed Liam's gear and... Uh, <laughs> 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 we turned up to this venue and I pulled out his artisan ride. Beautiful symbol. Set up set up the gear, started playing the gig. But three songs in, the artisan came off and the stage ride went up. Brilliant. Because it was a super loud rock thing. Yeah. The pub was super loud. I was like, I can't hear the bell, and the uh, the, the stage ride was just perfect. Yeah, yeah, bell like it's just like thunder, uh, like an I... anvil, man. Ding, yeah, it's great. Totally. It served it, it, it just the right symbol at the right moment. It was yeah. perfect. Big you know, time. Um, we saw them all the time because that stage set was one of the most widely sold symbol sets around. You know, yeah. so it was the sort of gateway to real symbols he says you know sure. with inverted commas that's true though because I went from that stage set to a whole set yeah, of keys but you know? what were you playing before that Zebeties or something uh, like B8s right there you go yeah. so you, you know that led you into sort of exploring sound a wee bit more mm-hmm. so we would see stage rides back all the time yeah. you know I actually actively have encouraged people to keep them mm-hmm. um, for that reason because I found myself actually in need of one one night and mm-hmm. it, it was perfect so yeah. people that are going to be freelancers like see that keep a hold of that symbol yeah, there that, will be a night where you need that mm-hmm. and like really and I'm like yep yep trust me for the 40 quid or 50 quid it's going to save you yeah, exactly. on this part x you know keep yep. a hold of it you know because at one point we would have like six of them you mm-hmm. know um and there will be a night where someone will be like oh i wish i had a stage ride absolutely yep. there was a night where i did and there I you like, go perfect yep. i'm actually going to take it out of my parent the hard case at my parents house and put it back in my summer bag for this very reason yeah and the explosion crash the 18 because i just love it it's yeah. loud as it's loud af yeah. bro mix and match those zildjans and sabians yeah break the rules crossbreed yep yeah man Sorry. um yeah we're gonna wrap it up there i think so yeah, yeah. we've been going for an hour 15 oh um, have we okay yeah which right. it didn't feel like it though no it didn't, it didn't. <laughs> i mean maybe the listeners will be like oh my god thank god <laughs> That was too long. <laughs> Probably. Go back to the octopus fighting. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, socials game. Socials game. Uh, obviously, everybody knows you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, all at Drummers Only. Uh, TikTok now. 
Tick, well, kind of, yeah, kind of. Or you're there. just doing TikToks. I'm using it. Sw- I'm Swedo using it. I'm kind of pseudo. A pseudo, Swedo, Swedo, Swedo. Swedo. <laughs> tomato, tomato. Uh, no, no, no. Swedo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, the point is right. You can find us uh, on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Sometimes TikTok. Right. Not all the time. Swedo. It's because I, I Swedo it. Patrick Swedo. Patrick Shop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've threw me off. Anyway, you can find us at Drummers Only UK um, on all the socials. Uh, if you want to come and visit us, if you want to maybe see if we've got a second-hand stage ride in either Glasgow or Leeds, <laughs> please come and see us. Pick up that much-needed ride symbol that you will absolutely need at one point in your life. Um, um, Appointments are no more. Uh, appointments are no more. You don't, yes, you don't need one now. You no longer. You can just come um, in. You can free ball it now. You please, at the, t- at the time of, of recording, we are in August. Please bring your mask. Yes, please bring a mask. Um, um, we're only letting parties of up to three people in at one time. So if you're the fourth person that happens to turn up on that day, you might need to wait outside. Um, mm. But that's okay. We'll make sure everything's all cool. We come in. We're just trying to keep everyone safe and socially distanced and Indeed. all that good stuff um, um, for the moment. Like, subscribe. Yes, um, uh, thanks for listening yes. as well. Actually, you know, yes. um, we don't we we talk about this between ourselves. Like, we don't actually thank everyone who listens enough because we appreciate it. Yeah, we do. You know, yeah, um, we do. We do this just purely because we thought it'd be fun, and here we are, basically almost a year later. Chris, can you believe it? Yeah, it's it's almost legitimately a year. Yeah. to the day, I think. Yeah. We maybe should have made more of a bigger deal of that. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, but cool. it's fine. That's yeah. just cool. We're rolling. <laughs> the anniversary episode. <laughs> <laughs> anniversary episode? Question <laughs> mark. Um, yes, so thanks everyone who's been yes, listening. Thank um, you. For if you're new listening, thanks for, for, for joining us for an mm-hmm. hour or so um, today. Um, make sure you subscribe if you want. Leave us a nice review. Um, if you're watching us on YouTube, uh, make sure you subscribe because we'll put the video version on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're an audio-only listener, make sure you subscribe on wherever you get your podcasts from. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple. We're on um, Anchor. We're on uh, yeah, loads of Google all, just wherever, podcasts. Basically, wherever yeah. you find your podcasts, we're probably on there. Yeah. If not, give us a shout. Um, and thanks for listening yeah and we'll see you next time we'll see you next time bye 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 bye